Welcome to the new. Every experience with God's Word promises to be refreshing and transformational. Receive today's message with high expectations as it brings power, light, and a fresh anointing to your life. So, the, t- the title of my message is Tomorrow Start Now. And I'm just going to do, it's my first teaching for the conference. So, you will, you will listen to this one very well. But I'm going to do an expose with two people in the Bible. The two of them, Daniel, the second person, Zerubbabel. Now, Daniel was taken out of Judah, you call it Jerusalem, held captive and brought in by the Enochs of the Babylonian Empire. And that happened at the age of 16. And so if you study the book of Daniel, you would realize that out of the 12 chapters in the book of Daniel, nine out of it are actually prophetic insights, visions, and dreams. So Daniel was the guy who was brought out of Judah, Jerusalem, and we'll go into the scripture to see it, and was taken into Babylon. Whereas Zerubbabel, on the other hand, was a guy who was brought out of Babylon to go into Judah. Daniel was brought into Babylon to bring in system structures and government for Babylon. But Zerubbabel was brought out of Babylon to rebuild the temple and also the altars of God. And so, let's start out in this journey by opening our Bibles to the book of Daniel chapter 1. And I want every one of us to actually open the scriptures because we are going to go one after the other. And I trust God. You will see so many things in this teaching by revelation that you've not seen in the scripture before. But truly, a generation will truly understand the foundation. Because you see, if you swim inside or you go to a pool, you would get wet by the side if you just go beside it. Because we can stand here and shout, oh, we are falling Babylon. We are... But you see, we don't even understand what it means. So today, by the special grace of God, I would break down by insight what I believe God has shown me. And I dare to say this. Some of the things I'm going to talk about would anchor majorly on the church. And I believe it's going to be a prophetic, I mean, the theme of the conference is gathering, and it's a prophetic insight as to what the next 10 years would look like for the church. In our generation in our generation and the role where you and I must I mean and that's why I was so excited when uh, Mrs. Bukowa was talking about the fact that 
we must fight for our future. So Daniel chapter 1, let's start reading from verse 1. Daniel 1 and verse 1. I believe the media will be so gracious to roll fast with us. Alright, Daniel 1 and verse 1. Okay, if you can give me on the screen as well, but let me look at this. In the third year of the reign of Joachim, the king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. The meaning of the word besieged it there means to conquer it, to destroy it, and to reign power and governmental strength over it. And so Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon, just put it in the back of your mind. Here is Jerusalem, here is Babylon. A king rise, just like what you are really seeing in Russia and Ukraine. This king rises up and looks towards Jerusalem. The first thing we must ask ourselves is why was it Jerusalem? Looks towards Jerusalem and says, I'm going to go and conquer this Jerusalem. And I'm going to beseech Jerusalem. And you must understand that in the Old Testament, every time you go to battle, the intention of battle is to conquer the king, conquer the nation, and ultimately colonize them to be like you. I'll give an example. The British government came to Nigeria and they brought in all the people that came. What was the agenda? The agenda was to colonize us, make us to begin to think like them, I'm wearing suits today, but that is not what... I, you understand what I'm saying? So we started wearing suits because that was what we saw. You get to your office in the morning and say, give me a, a, a cappuccino, 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 cold tea or high tea. The British brought it in. So when another country is going to besiege another nation, they're coming to take totality of that nation and so that's the same thing that Nebuchadnezzar did and besieged Jerusalem now before this happened there was a prophecy and that's why prophecy is a powerful thing there was a prophecy that had gone ahead before this happened and this is why we pray we pray to wage a good warfare over prophecies prophecies in two ways the one that is good to make it happen and the one that is bad to stop it from happening. And I'm going to show you. So a prophecy had come and if you open your Bible to 2 Kings chapter 20, you would see why Jehoiakim the king was defeated by Nebuchadnezzar. 2 Kings chapter 20 and let's read from verse 12. This was in the days of Isaiah verse 12 alright let's look at verse 13 yes that's it and Isaiah hearkened unto them no 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 go back go back let's look at verse 12 alright at the time this was not like Broko Haram 
Bokrom Dugudumda, the son of Balaam, <laughs> the king of Babylon, hear this, sent letters to present unto Ezekiah, for he had heard that Ezekiah had been sick. So he sent letters. Ah, since you are sick, let me come and visit you now. Let me come and see you. Watch this. And then Ezekiah Akin, remember, this guy was from Babylon. Babylon had his own system. So he sent a letter. Okay, that's fine. You are from Babylon, we understand. I'm sick, so you want to come and visit me? Okay, yeah, come. You must be careful who you allow in your tent. The Bible says when Abraham, when Lot left Abraham, the Bible says he went to pitch his tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah. When the angel of God came to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, they met him inside Sodom and Gomorrah. Where you pitch your tent matters. Oh. It matters. And that's a teaching for another day. Listen, it says, And Ezekiah akin unto them and showed them all the house of his precious things. So they came in, the Babylonian envoy came in, the king came in, the sick man now stood up. And now started showing them the precious things. Look at my silver. Look at the gold. And the spice. And the precious ornament. And all the house of his hammer. His armory was showing it to them. And all that was found in his treasures. He was showing them. Bringing it out. Look at what I have. Oh, look at what I have. There was nothing in his house. Nor in his dominion. That Ezekiah showed them not. Meaning that he was pointing to his children. You know, as parents, if your child is becoming first in class, when you go for a friend's meeting, the whole world must know that your child is first now. And that's, that's him. He doesn't really like games, but he gets first. He shall find a way to put it inside. So he was showing them. And most likely he showed them the sons. He showed them the children. Now let's keep going. Verse 14. Then, and when he came to this place, if we read the preceding verse, Ezekiah literally took him to the temple, the king of Babylon. And it was there he was showing them all of those things. Now, verse 15 that says, no, no, go back. Verse 14. Then came Isaiah the prophet unto king Ezekiah and said unto him, what said these men? Isaiah was the prophet of the land. And from whence came they unto you? And Zechariah said, They have come from a far country. They've come from Babylon. Verse 15. He said, What have they seen in thy house? Zechariah answered, He said, All these things that are mine in my house, they have seen. There is nothing amongst my treasures that I have not showed them. Next verse. Verse 16. And Isaiah said unto Ezekiah, Now, hear ye the word of the Lord because of what you have done. Verse 17. It says, Behold, the day comes that all that is in thy house and all thy father has laid up in store unto this day. This one is a whole teaching on its own as well. All the things that have been laid up. So it means that a generation can come and the labors disappear. 
the, a generation can come and destroys all. Meaning that we are going on a tangent in Nigeria and we can be shouting we are the generation that will change Nigeria and we still come back and be the one to deteriorate matter more. So he said, all the things I've laid in my father's house shall, he now said, shall be carried into Babylon. He says, nothing shall be left. Nothing. It means animals. It means human beings. It means your sons. It means the things, the gold, the silver, everything. Nothing will be left. Seeth the Lord. Verse 18. Watch this. And thy son that shall issue from thee, which thou beget, shall they take away, and they shall be Enoch's in the palace of the king of Babylon. Are you seeing prophecies? The Bible is so powerful. Now verse 19. Then said Ezekiah unto Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord, which thou hast spoken. And he said, Is it not good? If peace and truth be unto be in my days. Look at this. Look at the passiveness of a ruler. This was the same Ezekiah who when they came, the same prophet Isaiah came to him and said, you are going to die, face the wall and ask God for 15 extra years. It's the same Ezekiah that when he came to a generational decision, turned his back eyes. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? I want to show you how important you are in the assignment of God. That every decision you are making, you are either an Ezekiah, a Nebuchadnezzar or a Daniel one of the three because when it comes to self that's why I said to you yesterday the man that God would use must first die of self when it came to his own personal life he knew how to intercede but when it came to the nation when it came to the seed that you ought to bring forth when it came to the husband you must marry you can't intercede When it came to society, let me tell you something. See, you can choose and send your child to the best schools in the world if we don't collectively agree that not only would I train my child very well, on the matters of parenting, I must speak up so that other children can be trained. You would understand that you would take your child to the best schools and the untrained children will come and teach them certain things there. So, the assignment of God is a burden on every one of us. And that's why we make decisions. Because I let you know this. The Bible says according to that a man is four generation. Meaning that your decision affects four generations, whether you know it or not. And that's why in church, even in the new, decisions are not made just because of somebody. Because in this whole army that we have here and all the number of people in this room seated right now, there are many generations of the news inside this place. And so our decisions and indecisions affect those people. So you can see that the fact that Daniel was taken into Babylon was prophecy. A prophecy 
that might have been turned around if somebody interceded like he's supposed to do. But God in his wisdom always has a way of turning things around for his good. Let me say this here. And I want to say it so powerfully. Jesus is winning. Let me say it again. I know the way we see things in society and we see everything that is going on, it seems as though Jesus and his camp is losing out. It's not biblical. The Bible says, are they known? It means that they are hidden wisdom that makes it look as though we have more people winning on the other side than Christians. But I tell you, it's a lie. Because Jesus is winning. And in our generation, he is winning. And not only has he won, because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The winning is continuous. We might not understand it, but he is winning. Glory be to God. And so, let's now go back to this teaching. You see the prophecies. Now, let's begin to talk about what are the things that Ezekiah showed Daniel. He showed them the gifts gotten from Babylon. And the second thing in Luke verse 13, there are certain things that he was showing them. And I want you to pay attention to it. The reason why, listen very carefully. The reason why Nebuchadnezzar could go to Babylon and enter into Babylon, so pardon me, and enter into Judah to besiege Judah. The sole reason why he went into the temple to do that is not because of only the gold and the silver in that place or the precious things in that place. It was more after the sons and the daughters in that place. That is why when Nebuchadnezzar was ready, he then sent Ashpenaz to go into Babylon and go and select for him. Meaning that in Judah, what Nebuchadnezzar was after was not really about the gold and the silver. It meant that there was something inside Judah that Judah has. You know what I'm saying? There's something inside the church. There's something inside the temple. Beyond the aesthetics, beyond the light, beyond the sound, beyond the cranes. There is something. There are people inside. That's number one. Number two, it also tells us and suggests to us that there are certain curriculums that makes them stand out. That shows that these people, they have an excellent spirit. And that is why, and I said last next conference, I told the message. My message in last next conference, I said, my theme of my message was Babylon shops in Zion. Remember that message? Babylon always shops in Zion. Number three. I said the first thing they went there, you see the gold, the silver. Number two, the train, the sons of Judah. Number four, number three, the training curriculum of Judah. Number four, the spirit at work. So, let's now go back to the book of Daniel. 
We have finished with Ezekiah. Let's go back to the book of Daniel. Daniel 1 and verse 3 now. Then the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, and he said, Bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. Next verse, verse 4. Children in whom there was no blemish. Because of time, let me read it out for you. Number one, these were the things he was asking for. The kind of people I want you to bring to serve under me. Number one, they must be young people. Have you ever wondered why the devil in particular likes young people? And have you also wondered why God in particular likes young people? Jesus said, let the children come unto me. Now, this is the reason. Number two is actually the reason. He says, children and sons and young men without blemish. The word blemish there doesn't mean holy. It means that they have a state. Their heart is still, you can still feed their heart with new information. They are still fresh. So whatever they have learned in Judah, which is the core, which is the spirit of Judah, we can now put on top of that our own information. Because what we really want from them is not the head work, it's the spirit they carry from that temple. Are you hear what I'm saying? It's who they are. That's what stood them out. Glory be to God. And so, the Bible says, you cannot put a new wine into an old wine skin. It says, anyone who has tasted the old doesn't straight away desire the new. Because he would always say, the old is better. So they were looking for people who were new, fresh blood, young people. People whose hearts are still open to receive new information. Then we can work with these people. People who are malleable. You see, these are the curriculums. These are the prototypes of the people that God would use in his days. People who he can imprint on the tablets of their hearts. The new handwritings on the wall that goes beyond what they've learned before or what they know. Are you hear what I'm saying? Number three, good looking. That's a teaching on its own. Because, I mean, you have to, anyway. <laughs> Number four, gifted in wisdom. Number five, possessing knowledge. Number six, quick to understand. Number seven, look at this. This is very key. And sometimes we miss it. Why would a wicked king like Nebuchadnezzar, I don't want to call him a wicked king, but anyway. Then ask that people who have the ability to serve, how is service a criteria to be elected? See, there are things that they know in Babylon. There are things that they know. Why would service? Everybody just think that God can just raise me from anywhere. He can just raise me. <laughs> Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Number eight, because of time, was teachability 
meaning that they, un they could understand the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. They were teachable. They could understand. They could learn. They could learn. So it meant that, obviously, what Nebuchadnezzar was actually looking out for from the Hebrew guys, from the um, Jewish guys, was not really all of the aesthetics because we say, oh, they just came to, from Babylon to Zion. It was the spirit of Judah. The spirit of Jerusalem. The workings of that place he was interested in. That was why he sent a letter, his previous predecessor, sent a letter, let me come and visit you. It meant that there was something there that they had. There was something that set them apart. There was something that made them different. There was something that they carried. It was beyond what they learned. It was the spirit. It was the fragrance. It was something that just stood them out. It was a curriculum. It was a training. It was a pattern of discipleship. That they could tell that these ones are from Judah. Discipled. Listen. Did you see that it did not take them time before they were ready to serve the king? They didn't wait for many years. Because they were already ready. Remember that Daniel actually entered Babylon at the age of 16. You see, this is the difference between our faith and the other side. That at the age of seven, at the age of six, you must go to the mocks five times a day and go and bow your head. And you will see the tenacity of their religion and their faith in the forehead. There's a training pattern that must be restored to the body of Christ. And it must be restored in our generation. Let me tell you something. There is too much shallowness that sounds like depth. Meaning that you can, I, I mean, anybody can be deep now. Thank God for social media. Anybody can sound deep. But I say to you, make no mistake when we talk about Daniels and we are going to be Daniels in our generation. Da, 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 da. What we are really talking about is the depthness of those guys. The question is, can you have that level of depth? Listen, shallowness never produces anything. The only thing it can produce is shallowness. There is a training pattern that must be restored. And that was what they saw in Babylon that they had in Judah. They said, ah, there's no need for us to go far. Let's just go and get red made and put our extra teaching on them and make them who we want them to be. That's why they taught them the language. Do you see that not only did they teach them the language, they also gave them a name. It's beyond the name. If they call you Oluwak Bemileke or Oluwak Mitobi or Oluwak Darasimi or which other one? Or Uchuko. You can be called that name but what you are showing is different. It's beyond the name. There is a spirit in man. The inspiration of the Almighty. The attraction of the King. That is why when they went to Mish Asphenas, if you study Nebuchadnezzar very well, you see that he was a ferocious and quick, quick temper king. Why would Asphenas agree 
that the mini plan, the meal plan of the whole of the people in Judah that were supposed to go and meet the king, he exempted them out from it. Why do you think so? Because there was a favor. There was an attraction. Daniel that went to God to pray, that God showed me the dream. His prayer life did not start when he was in Babylon. It was a curriculum in Judah. Because you would only portray what you have learned in Judah when you enter that thing. And what you have would be tested. Glory be to God. So you see that that curriculum of discipleship is what must be restored. That curriculum, because I'm telling you the truth, it also suggests, let me say this here, that could it be that Ezekiah did not even bother to pray? That, oh God, no, no, no. Because he's in his mind is probably thinking, see, we have trained these people too much. The system in Judah, if you like, take all our gold, take all our silver, take all of those things. The spirit that they carry already, if you take them there, they will dominate you there. Don't worry, you can take them. It's good now. Don't worry. That is why I say to you, the gifts of the spirits, listen, what elevated Daniel was the manifestation of the gift of the spirit of so you can be saying we are the generation we will change it Ashangri does nothing no. <laughs> there is a spirit now let's go to verse 5 and to verse 5 is somebody learning something here today I'm just starting no? so don't sleep <laughs> verse 5 verse 5 of Daniel so the king appointed to them a daily provision of the king's meat and of wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Next verse, verse 6. Now among these were, keep on moving, verse 7, because of time, da da da, verse 8, because of time. And the Bible says, and Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank therefore he requested of the prince of the Enoch that he might not defile himself let me give you an example when we were growing up our parents when you go to a party with your mom and they ask you if you are going to take tapioca or do you want voodoo milk and you get to that party and they ask you or your family friend and they ask you what is the first thing you do what was that you you use one side to check the answer the answer is in the model the answer is there she's the answer <laughs> so you look on us one look at one side and check the mother should i and your mom will graciously be smiling <laughs> Uh, junior <laughs> so they'll be wondering it's okay it's just coke you know it's just fanta <laughs> they, want to smell it. they said no you want it but you say no yes or no now why did you say no because over time 
it has been proven to you that your reward of saying yes is a slap. So it meant that the training curriculum in Judah embedded inside of it was told them that while anywhere you are, you cannot take certain things that defiles you. It was part of the curriculum. You can't face Babylon like that and say no. No, you can't say no like that. The food they serve in Judah, have you been to Bujara? The food they serve there is different from um, Amalashit, oh sorry, Amalak something. Well, this is our own. You get as it sweets. When you turn, you go to some canteen like this. Some people first beat. I wonder what they beat the air back, like the thing they sleep. Bah, bah, wake up. <laughs> oh, Niger. I love this country, honestly, man. <laughs> honestly. Honestly. Amen. So you see the training there. Discipleship is a must. Listen, the only solution for the generation would be people who are discipled. That's it. It would be people and we must start at the age not 16 oh. we must start from 7 I told listen, I, when we have pastors retreat you know, leaders meeting and things like that I would tell the pastors and the children, I say bring your children along nannies, babies 6 year old, 6 months, pardon me 3 months old, listen every baby has a spirit and the spirit yes so the baby might not understand but his spirit is awake we must learn how to expose our children to the word of God from day one because listen the training curriculum is not only in the church it also starts from the home glory be to God So it meant that they had a spiritual depth that entering into Babylon, that depth was unshaken by the systems and the structures of Babylon. That is why Ashpenaz went to them and said, don't kill me now. Eat this thing. Say, no. Just let me tell you that if you come back, go to verse 9. You will see it. Verse 9. It says, now God brought Daniel unto fa into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Glory be to God. Now let's go to verse 17 quickly. Verse 17. In that scripture, it talks about how God then gave them these four children. God gave them knowledge. God gave them skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in visions and dreams. I won't touch on that because that's a whole teaching on its own. Let me say something here. Let me say something here. In our generation, if we come for a meeting like this, believers meeting, and the move of spirit starts to happen, meaning that there is words of wisdom, words of knowledge, diverse kind of tongues, tongues and interpretation of tongues, and the gift of spirit, the gift of healing, all of those things begin to happen. And demons are being casted out, and we are beginning to share what's going on. It's like movies, like state production. These are the same people that wants to go and tear the mountain of God and reach the mountain. The language that is understood in that place is power. And listen, 
power is not given, power is taken. It says, in the days of thy power, thy people will be willing. When there is no willingness, there is no power there. So there must be people who are trained and schooled and tutored. All this training, they say, come for this meeting, come for this training, do this one, join this one. To be trained, people really think that they can skip processes and use impartation to hide deficiencies of your own laziness. No. Everyone who stands tall for God, I've gone through places. You've heard Dr. K say this. I don't know how long you've heard, but I've heard it where he was living under a uncompleted for some few period of his life. Process. And those season of pain is part of the curriculum. Those season of waiting, all of a sudden, we just want to emerge in our generation. We're just the God of emergence. Emergency. Because you see, it's not enough to start. What matters is to finish. <laughs> May we finish well. All right. Let me continue. You see, I want to say something. On Sun, on Monday, I pray Dr. K will not be around though. Because I'm, it's a minister's conference and that Monday session, I'm telling you, Monday is the day I am really looking forward to. Tomorrow, I'm telling you because I know what I see about that Monday. I'm going to teach on the first session how to interpret the vision of another man. That's what I'm going to teach on. It's minister's conference and I'll tell you why. There are certain things that must be addressed in our generation. A generation where everybody, somebody put up a tweet and I was just laughing. The person said, how that it's like in our generation, we have more apostles than pastors. Because everybody that is called in our generation is an apostle. You'll be wondering, so who are the evangelists amongst us now by? And I know what happened. There was a deficiency of teaching. America theology entered here, entered this country. The discipleship, and you see, when the devil wants to destroy something, it comes for your discipleship system. Because that is where people are schooled. You went to university, you learned economics. Somebody taught you economics. For you to graduate out of that college or that university, you have to learn economics and become, you, you, I mean, have you seen somebody just say, I'm a doctor? You will just be a serial killer. So, if you go to school to learn something, to become something, who taught you life? Because most of us, the people who taught us life was from the lenses of our parents. Can I talk freely? Jesus said, oh, it's not me. He says, I come with a sword, oh. Don't let me go there. Or should I? Don't let me go there. But you know that scripture now. The sword is to do what? 
Meaning that when it comes to matter of destiny, priority, number one, Jesus. And this is why the church is set up to fill in the deficiencies. See, one day, I think I was shared this in the Kedja church. I don't know if it was the Kedja church or Lekki church or one of the new churches. I said, the burden of the church, and sometimes you guys might not understand the pressure to be a pastor. Honestly, please, put your hands together for every pastor. See, wait. Before I became a pastor, I used to think, what, is, what, what, what are they doing? Now, ah, honestly, arguably, in my opinion, is the toughest job on the earth. The, the emotional stability required. Ah, please clap for pastors, my beg. <laughs> One day, you are rising up, you are taught well. That's the way. Keep clapping, keep clapping. <laughs> Pastor Kabasa. <laughs> Listen, you just finished conference. As you are getting on, somebody just call you. I just have accidents. Do you know people, people enter portal and call pastor? Are you wondering? Nepal took like two weeks. Past, I, I, I just tired of this. Me, me too, I don't have light to. <laughs> I don't have light to. Now, we call Jesus. They say pastor is not doing PVC. Pastor must become Ineco this way, the way we are going. <laughs> and if Jesus doesn't come on time, they say, Why is Jesus not coming on time? Pastors now. It's pastor. Ah, pastor, try you. <laughs> Amen. Let me go to the scriptures back. And I begin to wrap up now. Now, let me begin to show you what we need to do. We've dissected the challenges, we've dissected the problem, but now it's time to show what are the things that we now need to do as a generation. So go to Daniel chapter 2 now. We finished Daniel chapter 1. Go to Daniel chapter 2. I have to skip a lot of things. If, if in chapter 1, I just felt impressed to say something about chapter 1. In chapter 1 verse 5, you see that Ashwinas gave them a meal plan. And it was that new plan that they had to use to come before the king. But in Babylon, they had their own new plan. Let me say something to you here. Every serious believer must have a spiritual meal plan. And a spiritual diet plan. They are not the same thing, no. Diet plan means that some things you must cut off relationships some of them you must cut off is diet plan is part of your plan some association you must cut off same with meal plan you must have you cannot you cannot go seven months and you have not even thought of fasting once but you come to church and say we are taking myself yes we are taking it over now we are scratching everywhere i daniel read my books he read he knew see Let's go back to chapter 2. This 
This discipleship system, honestly, by the grace of God in my generation, it shall be restored. This discipleship, it must. If you look at verse 1 of Daniel chapter 2, okay, if I don't finish it here, we'll continue it in the new because it's still plenty. So, Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. And the king appointed, no, 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 Daniel chapter 2. All right, it's there now. Now, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams wherewith his, his spirit was troubled and a sleep break from him. Next verse. Verse 2 then says, The king commanded to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, the challengers to show the, the king of his dreams so that he might come and stand before the king. Next verse. And the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Verse 4. And the and then spake the challenges to the king of Sarah, of all king, leave forever, tell thy servant the dream, and we will show the interpretation. Verse 5, and the king answered and said unto the challenges, the thing is gone from me. If ye would not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, you shall be cut in pieces, and your house shall be made a dunghill. Next verse, verse 6, but if you show the dream and the interpretation thereof, you shall receive of me gift and reward and great honor therefore show me the dream and interpretation thereof now you see what the challenger says and the astrologers they have never encountered this kind of problem before what they were used to was the fact that when you dream i will interpret for you safe zone it can be true and it can be wrong and let me say this here boldly there is nothing called the ministry of dreams Let's stop that thing. What was what's, what's ministry of dreams? I believe that God speaks through dreams. Yeah. But we, we don't build doctrines around things that God uses as a medium of communication. Sometimes. We just build foundations. People are paying dollars to learn how to interpret dreams. This, don't you know that Christ in me? Anyway. Anyway, let's continue. I come in peace, but I don't. Next verse. Now, you would see that there was a level of high level of intelligence by the spirit that was In this context of now, it is not only dreams in terms of dreaming dreams. Meaning that the Bible says that 
and I'm going to talk about that on Monday. The Bible says that on the last day I'll call my spirit upon a flesh, da, 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 da. Says the sons and the sons and daughters shall prophesy. Young men will see vision, the old will dream dreams. Dreams, meaning that they will sleep, see things, but they will might not necessarily be the one to bring it to pass. Vision is a picture of the future represented in the now. So it means that those sons and daughters are the ones who would interpret the dreams of the fathers and bring it into the reality of the now. So in other words, what that means is that as a believer, you enter into a boardroom and as they are talking, you can see what is going on in that business and you have solutions to provide to that business. Then they begin to take us serious. But it starts from the curriculum and the training and the spirit. The astrologers, verse 10, if you look at verse 10, verse 18, let's keep verse 18. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm still on course. I have just a few more minutes left. Verse 18, look at this. And they would desire message of God of heaven concerning the secret. And Daniel, all right, and Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Meaning that if you don't have certain divine secrets, you would be in Babylon and you would perish in Babylon. Though you know God, but if things and the secret things belong to God and they are revealed to us. So the solution must come from us. Now, one of the things I want to take here is, why would God, think about this, why would God show a pagan king a vision? Have you thought about it before? If there was a problem like that, why did God just show Daniel so that Daniel can go and tell the king? Why did God have to show the pagan king? You want to know why? Because you see, God must always create opportunities for his people to rise. If God showed Daniel, there was no need for the king to put something on the table to say that anybody that interprets this dream, I'm going to promote you. So God must always open opportunities for his people to rise. So problems are actually divine opportunities for your rising. But let me close with this. Verse um, Verse 28. Let me close with this. Verse 28. I will continue in another session that I have. Look at this. But, but there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days thy dream and the vision of thy head upon thy bed and these, da da da. And for thee, O king, my thoughts. Next verse. But as for me, the secret is now revealed to me. Next verse. Okay, all right, this is where I want to close in now. This was the dream. It says, O king, thou, O king, saw, and behold, a great image, the great image whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form of thee was terrible. Next verse, verse 32. His image head, now, if you can give me that picture on the wall, if you can give me that picture I sent to you, media. This image head was of fine gold. It means from this part was gold. His breast and his arms of silver. His belly and his thigh of brass. The last one, all oh right, that's right, that's it right there. 
The last one was then made of clay and iron. So you see this right there. So this was like the image. All right? We can go through all of these things. We understand the earth, Babylonian Empire, the Greece Empire, da-da-da-da-da. I don't want to go into all those details. But the striking part of that dream was that the Bible says that it then happened that a stone was cut off. And the moment the stone was cut off, the stone went to the feet. And when the stone went to the feet, the whole image came down. The Bible says that Christ is the cornerstone. I don't want to go into all of these details because this is a lot of details, but not today. It says Christ is the cornerstone. But let me say something to you here. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So meaning that the stone is actually not coming, no. You didn't hear it. This is a prophetic word. It's prophecy. It's going to happen. But there is a continuation. Meaning that the moment Jesus came and died on the cross and he said it is finished, the stone broke the thing open. It was finished. The job was done. Then he sent you and I on the earth. The Bible says the heaven, even the heavens is the Lord, the earth as he given to the children of men. So the moment the earth was made, it was given to man. Are you hear what I'm saying? So who is that stone that must keep crushing down these idols? This image is these people here, you and I. We are the stone because Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. But let me tell you something. You can, you know, Charles Spurgeon said something very powerful, and I'll close with this. He said, God can use anything. He can use anything. But if you take a horn and you blow with an horn, the horn would always sound one sound. It can't give another sound. But if you take a trumpet and you blow the trumpet, you can enter into different melodies and rhythms with the trumpet. They are both an outlet of sound. But the difference is that one can modulate and move things. The other is static. The choice is really yours. Who you want to be. A trained disciple that when they see you, they can say, ah, ah, no, no, no. This one has been with the Lord. 40 days after Jesus had died, he came back in the book of Acts chapter 1. The Bible says he came and called his disciples together and started teaching them things pertaining to the kingdom. He has been with them all these years though. But before he went, he still had to do crash course. Are you, did you get this part? Peter, did you get this one? Don't be saying you will just be following me and say you will not kill anybody. Can you see that your words alone cannot help you? It's grace, so I'm grace. So he, he, he crash course. Discipleship. When they saw them, they said, this one has been with the Lord. This one, that is the pointer of the people that God will use in our time. I will continue from there. Verse 49, let me show you something, verse 49. Verse 49, quickly. Did somebody get something today? Verse 49 says, And then Daniel requested of the king, and said Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, now they have been lifted in the palace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
over the affairs of the province of Babylon. And Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Look at verse 48 first. I think verse 48. Verse, is that verse 50 there? Let me show you. Alright, I think that's it. If you go to the preceding chapter, you will see that what we call the golden statue that we saw, if you have the picture, put it there. Nebuchadnezzar, because you see, kings want their kingdoms to be elongated. Nobody just wants to leave power. So Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 3 now went back and built himself a golden statue from head to toe because in the interpretation of the dream, the Bible told him, the, the prophecy's interpretation was that he was the gold of just the head alone. But in chapter 3, he now said, ah, me, I'm not going to be the head alone. I'm going to be the full gold. This kingdom must last forever. What I have taken from Judah must continue forever. So, you see, not this one, the full gold. The full gold. And then he built himself a full gold. But look at it. He now said, let me, this is where we close. I close five times. He now said, as I have built this thing, give me that picture quickly, full gold. Everybody, the administrators, the satraps, the governors, the rulers, he brought everybody from all the earth, the judges, the magistrates, everybody came to him. He now said, at the sound of music, you will bow and worship because worship elongates thrones. Meaning, not only prophetic worship, because yes, when you worship it, he under, see, these people you say pagan, how did Nebuchadnezzar recognize Jesus, the fourth man in the fire? A pagan. They know that there is God. He said, the form of the fourth is like the son of God. How did he know? <laughs> he was going to elongate his throne forever. And when he did that, he said they should come and bow. What are the things in your life you are elongating and you are worshipping? Children of God, I submit to you. The reason why Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego were powerful in their time was the Spirit of God in them. Not all these other things that we are looking at. It was the training in Judah. Discipleship is a curriculum of our time. Amen. Were you blessed today? You deserve the glory. We hope you were greatly blessed by today's message because God still has so much He wants to share with you. So stay connected every week to experience uplifting and life-changing moments in His presence.